0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ascend and Transcend with Coach Elizabeth. I am incredibly excited for our guest today. Her name is Amy Gordonier, and she is the CEO and founder of Skin Fix, which was a company that I used to work for and absolutely love. It's focused on clean beauty and protecting our skin and really just loving our skin just the way it is and making it healthy, and that is beauty. So I'm very excited to have her. She introduced me to a lot of new business theologies, and she's going to speak with us today about it. So welcome, Amy.
1: Hello, it's so good to see you and thank you for having me on this awesome podcast. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are in the beauty industry?
1: Yeah. So I started my career in beauty right out of uni. I went to L'Oreal when I was 22 in New York and unbelievably, they gave me a chance and gave me a job as a product manager. And I learned a ton and then went to business school, went back to Cody, ended up at Lauder in London, working with Jo Malone back when she was still very much part of her business. She had just sold to Estee Lauder and I had the unbelievable experience of working directly with her, learning from her. What a lot of people don't know about Jo she's an esthetician by trade and by training. So she knows a lot about skincare as well as wow. fragrance. So learned a lot about skincare from her. Then I moved to Nova Scotia when I was pregnant with Izzy, who's now almost 18 and thought I'd left beauty behind forever. And met a woman who had an incredible healing balm that her great grandfather had made in Yorkshire, England. And the balm had incredible efficacy. It was clean because it was created in 1870, but the family had collected letters for decades from people who had tried it to treat all sorts of pretty serious skin issues and had helped to clear up their issues and give them back their quality of life. So this idea of clean, being medically effective and helping to heal skin was just super compelling. So I Mortgaged my house and bought the company, and
0: away we went. (laughs) We're going to go back to that piece in a second because I feel like this whole leaning in and really trusting yourself and your intuition and being able to take a massive risk. I mean, that was a massive risk for you. You know, Amy's being modest here about what a big risk this was and how many unknowns there were. Sure, she had a background in the industry, but it's very different when you're making decisions based off a large company's budget. Right versus money out of your pocket and leaning into a formulation that you knew worked and and coincidentally that's how I met Amy was because my little girl had terrible eczema when she was a baby Vivian uh, she would just scratch until there was like open sores Mm -hmm. and I found SkinFix and I started using it and I had actually reached out to the company just to thank them and then dug a little bit deeper and found out that they actually had uh, an opening for a director of sales in the U.S. because they're Canadian based. And that's how, you know, divinely we, we were brought and together. That is we were so and, lucky to have you. And it was, I mean, she hired me sight unseen. I, you know, a coworker <laughs> came and like took me to coffee to make sure I wasn't a psycho, but then oh. that was it, you know? So we didn't meet until I showed up in Halifax uh, a couple of weeks later, but I yeah. feel like just kind of taking those risks. Cause that was a risk for me too. I was working for a big company that I had left because I yeah. thought, you know what, this just, it works. This is a great product. But so how many times along the way did you really question your decision? Were oh, you pretty much? Thousands. Okay. What were those days <laughs> yeah. like, Amy?
1: I mean, it's hard. Sometimes some days you wake up and you just think, I just want to work for someone else. You know, I don't want to wear oh my God, yes. the burden of all of the responsibility and the stress and the sort of, are we going to make it? Are we going to, you know make a return for our investors. Are we going to lose everything? Um, So there are lots of mornings that you wake up. I'm sure you feel the same way sometimes. And you think, why did I do this? I just want to go to work and come home and leave it all behind. But um, what
0: got you through that over the hump?
1: I mean, I think very candidly when you're in an entrepreneurial venture and you've taken investors' money, you just, you don't have a choice. Like it keeps you there because you have a fiduciary responsibility, you have a moral responsibility and you on the really, really dark days have to just push through. And then eventually the sun comes out again and you're on a high. I mean, the highs are high and the lows are low and you're like, oh, I love this. I'm so happy I did this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I had many of those days as well where, you know, this decision to just kind of like start my own thing. There were, there were days like sobbing and thank God for Ryan. He was kind of like, I guess the equivalent of my investor just like pushing me through saying, you know what, everything's going to be okay. You've got this. And it's so interesting because now almost four years later, I'm coaching people to start their own companies. And so now I'm kind of that person who's got their hand on their back. Like you Mm -hmm. have to take the steps forward, but we're not going to go backwards. We're going to just keep moving forward. And I feel like a lot of that was learned working for you and at SkinFix because it was this it was a leap of faith. Everything was a leap of faith and we were trying things and maybe behind the scenes, you weren't feeling as confident, but you put on a pretty confident face in front of the team and it was like, yep, we're (laughs) going to do this.
1: Well, that's good to know. I fake it, right? Fake it till you make it.
0: I mean, I guess so. But so did you also feel somehow divinely called to kind of birth this baby, this product and start this business? Oh, that's a really good question. I
1: mean, first of all, Elizabeth, I just want to say you have worked for so many entrepreneurs that you are, you are such a born hmm. entrepreneur and such a, so when you have your hand on someone's back, it's, it's from years of experience and understanding and taking risks and having that, you know, so your hand on someone's Thank back you. is the best hand that could be on the back. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do have a strong faith, as you know, as a sort of deep sense of spirituality. And I do believe that. That was sort of drawn to this. It was my calling. It truly is, you know, if you look at my astrological chart, there's a lot that would indicate that a product to heal skin is something that I needed to bring to the world. So, yeah, there was that, and that often helps too, right? Just to believe totally. that this is your purpose and that this group of people you're working with and the relationships that you're navigating with this group of people are ultimately the most important thing. It's not about a business being successful financially, although, You have to do that if you're in business, but it's also about learning from people and interacting with people and going on a journey with people that is, is part of the path for sure.
0: And I think creating the space, you know, the, the people part is so huge. And one thing that I always noticed whenever we were in, you know, the conference room there in Halifax. Amy would just really quietly absorb what people were saying. (laughs) She would just let people talk. I would probably have, you know, out of 10 ideas, nine awful ones. And she bit her tongue. Not true. No, but she would sit there very quietly. And I always really, I was, I was watching her watch everyone else. And when she spoke, you paid attention. And I felt like there was this kind of quiet confidence and leadership that would come through with that. And I think that's got to be something that you've had throughout your career as well, which has given you time to reflect and have these insights before you think and to be really intuitively guided versus having a knee-jerk reaction when you're in maybe, you know, a high stakes meeting with investors or when you're just meeting with your team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination, you know, there's certainly a lot of knee-jerks because there are circumstances that are happening and you're just sort of responding, but I appreciate that, that you said that I don't think I listen well enough. And so I'm happy to hear that I did listen and yeah. I, you know, have moments where I do, because I do. And that's one of my biggest sort of challenges, I think, is to really listen more and not make assumptions and just mm-hmm. absorb. But, you know, the good news is we have always had a team of women, prim- primarily women at SkinFix. Yes. We have one man. Who are confident and who are bold and who are assertive and who have lots of good ideas and aren't afraid to share them. And I think that that's super important because, you know, sometimes when you're in a role like you and I are in now where it's your company, you feel like you have to always have the right answers. And you're kind of, you know, sometimes just dictating, not because you want to, because you somehow feel like you need to. And it's important to have people around you who will step up and stop you and say, hold on a minute let me you know, hear me out. I think yeah. we can go in a different direction. So I'm blessed well, to have really strong people on my team.
0: And it's so funny. And one of those really strong women was the one who met me at the coffee shop to make sure I wasn't a psycho. And <laughs> before you hired me, and she goes, there's two things that I have to tell you about this company. And I said, okay, what is it? She goes, first off, it's all women. This is before the one man. And I was like, awesome, great, done, sold. And she goes, the next one is, is that we use an astrologer (laughs) and sometimes that will base our decisions on things. And I was like, giddy up. I loved it. And that was (laughs) really before I had never had an astrological reading, any of that stuff, but it was like, yes, because then I knew that there was more than just, you know, Excel sheets guiding you to your decisions and that there would be the opportunity for The non-physical part of you to play a role in the decisions you made. But so I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about how astrology has, you know, played a role in your life and is, and your business, because there are not a lot of entrepreneurs who come out and claim that. And (laughs) so can you tell us a little bit more about how you embrace that and why you did with SkinFix? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, there've been international world leaders talking
1: to astrologers for centuries. But um, yeah, so I have always been very spiritual. I was raised sort of very religious and then went to university and became a comparative religion major, mostly because I had a strong sense of spirituality, but I didn't believe there was one faith that was right and everybody else was wrong. So that study led me down the path of just exploring different modalities and different spiritual practices. And when I moved to Halifax, I'd always wanted to see an astrologer. I never had a friend of mine gave me a reading with an amazing woman named Deborah Young, who I believe you've met with too, Elizabeth. She's, She's so on the good. show, yes. So she um, so great. She and I started to have sessions, you know, periodically, like once every three months, and it was just fascinating to me. I mean, we think of astrology as sun signs, and maybe you know, Moon, Mars, and Venus. It's so much more than that, and it was so analytical and scientific. And she was telling me things about myself and my children and my family. That weren't so much predictive, they were just sort of affirming. And it taught me to be really compassionate mm-hmm. about myself. Like, okay, I'm not going to be the super organized, you know, person with a neat environment. And there are certain things about me that I will never be like someone else that I might admire, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I have these gifts. And I think astrology for me was so much about compassion for myself, for others, for my children And then it really led into, you know, understanding people's Mercury, how they communicate, how they absorb information, often certain transits that are happening like, oh, you know, this is Mars is conjunct this particular planet, not a great time to have a conversation with somebody about a tough subject, stuff like that was just incredibly helpful, you know, and Mercury's retrograde. Yeah. You know, don't sign contracts, and if you do, make sure you read them five times. Right, stuff like that. And people think it's. Some people think it's silly, but it rings true. I would say ninety nine times out of a hundred that it's. It's very helpful in navigating human relationships yeah. and dynamics.
0: Do your investors understand the? additional insights that you get from astrology when it comes to business?
1: <laughs> well, they might now if they listen to this podcast. Right. Well, I mean, our current investors, yes, because it's primarily friends and family. Yeah. Um, We are always talking to external investors and I'm increasingly open. I usually approach it in a joking way, but I'm sort of like, yeah. but it's legit. And folks have noticed Deborah on our on our Instagram weekly and sort of queried that. And I'm becoming, I guess, when you get into your fifties, you just decide to be yourself. I'm becoming increasingly open about it. You know, it's a spiritual modality. It's, it's something that's been practiced for centuries. Um, It used to be very prominent in Christianity and Judaism and seen, and probably, you know, other religions as well. So I'm just being more honest about it. And people seem to be receptive.
0: Oh my God. I love that. And She's a trailblazer. You guys, <laughs> I, mean, I feel like even with skin fix, the product being clean and really, and that was when derms were nec- weren't necessarily very embracing of clean. It was like, well, yeah. you can use it, but it's not going to work. If you want something that's going to work, it needs to be a steroid or it needs to be yeah. a retinol or it needs to be something like that. So, I mean, you're a trailblazer in a lot of sense. The astrology part is the biggest part. I mean, I feel like you came out of the spiritual closet long before it was kind of trendy to do that. And you continue to just, you know, even coming on the show and talking about this right before we got on, I was like, how much do you want to talk about this? And you're like, I'll talk about all of it. And not everybody <laughs> wants to do that. They're kind of, it's kind of like a trade secret that they're, they'll keep close or they're, they're scared that if they talk about it, it can chip away at some of their professionalism, maybe their professional image. Even as a coach, I am very upfront with, you know, there's really hard tactical things we're going to do, but we are going to be led by spirit and we are going to use, you know, astrology and we're going to use law of attraction and manifestation abilities. And some people are oh like God. totally on. And some people are like, I just want you to show me how to fix my LinkedIn. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> like, But we need to know where we're going first. Right. And spirit yeah. has to lead us to that. And so um yeah. tell us a little bit about SkinFix, the products, because they've had an evolution now, and then Mm -hmm. how you overcame a lot of the resistance you initially had from Derms, who were kind of in bed with some of these larger companies getting, you know, kickbacks and things like that and support with people who had more money than you but you had this great product. So how did you overcome that obstacle?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, we are really focused on delivering solutions to real serious skin issues. So first and foremost, skin barrier health, obviously is super important because it can mitigate a whole host of other issues. But we focus, as you know, on conditions like eczema and keratosis pilaris and rosacea and acne and working on other things as well. And so, you know, we were delivering really clinically valid and effective solutions. And we needed the Durham community really on board because they're the the experts in skin disease and they're the ones treating the patients. And so we just really were quite tenacious. I mean, the woman who I think had the coffee with you in Chicago, if I'm thinking correctly, if it was Amy Reese, you know, she really did a great job of just being persistent and diligent about going to the conferences, you know, setting up our booth that was really colorful and fun and trying to meet, the, the derms and, and yeah. talk to them about what was important to them. And then eventually do the clinical research that they needed to see in order to embrace the product in the end, you know, they love the brand. They love the team that was behind the brand. They were intrigued, but they all said, I need to see the science. And so we invested early and heavy into clinical research to prove that X product works with X concern and is statistically significant in delivering results. And then ended up getting some of those studies published. So Yeah. It was really an investment in time and money and persistence.
0: And I loved too, the other piece that I loved about um, the space that you're in with SkinFix is it isn't about, you know, increasing beauty or attractiveness or whatever the standard of beauty is. It was really just about being healthy. And again, like ahead of its time before that was kind of the thing that you would tout as your big marketing slogan. That's just what SkinFix was like. I still use the eye cream every night, by the way. Um, I put it on before I put my primer on so that my primer isn't so like thick, but it was just more about like being you and these women that Amy hired on the team. There was a diverse group. I mean, at the end of the day, we all kind of had this common thread of being really passionately following Amy and we've, we really believed in the brand, but I thought it was really awesome that you again, were kind of like, a visionary and saying, you know what, we're going to have this be really women run. And the time that I was there, it was, I mean, I think the guy had just started, but it was all women. And Mm -hmm. so was that a conscious, I think I know the answer. Was that a conscious decision? Mm -hmm. And then what were some pros and cons of that, that you found along the way?
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really conscious. I think it was organic. I think by virtue of being in beauty and being in skincare, Gender bias aside, you tend to attract more women, and there's just more women that are interested and intrigued in the category. You know, I think d- diversity is important: gender diversity, and ethnic diversity, and diversity of opinions, political diversity. It's all really, really an important aspect of a company. So, I do think that it's helpful when we do have a man in the mix and would certainly be open to having more men in the mix too. I think it's also powerful and beautiful to elevate women and to particularly in this region of the world where there aren't a lot of economic opportunities or increasingly more and more entrepreneurship. But when I started, not so much to show women that they can do it, that they can play on a global stage, that they do have something to contribute. And most of the women that have worked at Skimfix have gone on to be entrepreneurs. Um, I'm very proud to say very few leave and go work for somebody else. Most right. of the team has gone on to work for themselves. And I think that that's really cool. And in some way, um, hopefully it proves to them they could do it. They saw me and they're like, okay, she's not perfect, you know, and she's doing her best, but I could do it too.
0: 100%. I mean, that was the vibe in, in the office. And it was always so great to be able to come into the office and be surrounded by that feminine power. I mean, you really did feel that. And but it wasn't like a, everybody's braiding their hair. It was very professional at the same time. It was very like, you better know your shit come in. It's, you know, it's a safe place to have big ideas that may or may not ever be able to be tactically executed, but you could, you were still encouraged to speak up, but at the same time, it was very serious. we were dealing with very serious money. We were dealing yeah. with very serious skin issues and people that needed help. And so, it was a hundred percent inspiring Amy. And you, you know, you called on it earlier. Like I have worked for other entrepreneurs that have always kind of dreamed big, but I was never as close to it. Right. As when mm. I worked with, when I worked for you at SkinFix. and it 100% like encouraged. And I know some of the women you're talking about, I love seeing it on Instagram. Like people are just <laughs> like businesses popping up left and right.
1: Yeah. I don't know of a single former Skimfix employee, frankly, who's not working for themselves. Maybe there's I one either. It's no. kind of crazy. It's really cool. I'm yeah. very sort of inspired by that. It's like if if in some small way, I gave you the sort of hutzpah or the impression that, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this too. Like that's, that's what Joe Malone gave to me. You know, she said to me, Amy, you're going to have your own business someday. And I was like, oh no, I'm not. Like, I see how hard you work.
0: I don't yeah. think I can do it that's amazing. And I think that, you know, we can all probably find like a mentor in our lives. And sometimes they're men, you know, in the beginning at vitamin water is Micropoli and he's still a mentor. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I wanted to ask you too, as far as this kind of ideal of like competition between women. Um, I did a show, uh, a few months back on, you know, mean girls in the workplace, this kind of like Mm -hmm. underbelly and something that can be more front of mind with people like like when the, the woman who was, you know, vetting me said like, it's all women. Are you good with that? <laughs> she could, she was right. like, are you, you know, because there are some preconceived notions of that, mm-hmm. but how did you handle, did you ever have any employees who you could feel there are beginning to be some competitiveness between them? How did you diffuse that? And then also, did you feel like women were kind of pitted against each other in some of your past roles before you started SkinFix?
1: That's a really good question. I very thankfully, and maybe I just didn't see it, but I have not at SkinFix seen colleagues pitted against each other. I really, really haven't. I think it is a very high pressure environment. You know, I do have very high standards. We're in a very competitive industry. We're competing against, you know, folks who are really well-funded, who are based in New York and LA and are, so I have very high standards. I push really hard. And I think I expect people to come sort of prepared and, and ready. But it never created an environment, in my opinion, or in my experience, where people were pitted against each other. If anything, it made colleagues, I think, closer. Because it was like, okay, you know, this is tough. This is not for the faint of heart. Let's do this. We need each other to do this. And it reminded me, it reminds me very much of my experience at L'Oreal, which is interesting because people think of L'Oreal as like a very tough environment, very high expectations. And it is. And they wouldn't be probably the leader in beauty that they are if they didn't have high expectations. But it never, I've never experienced a mean girl at L'Oreal. I mean, I was only there for five years, but I know a lot of people that have been there, we were lucky, but we never, and it, it was the same kind of thing where okay, so this is a really tough competitive, competitive in terms of like the brands being competitive in the in the space. And we gotta, you know, work really hard. Let's do this together. And we're learning and we're having fun along the way. And I feel like Skimfix is a similar similar environment. I have been in other environments in beauty where I have experienced mean girls. (laughs) I'm not going to name names, but I have seen it. And I don't know why it happens in some environments and not others, but it's really unpleasant when it exists
0: for sure. For sure. And I think sometimes the vibe is always going to be given by leadership, right? And it's going to kind of set the tone for the team. And so, I mean, I never experienced any competitiveness that's can fix either. And You know, we were a small team, which, so there wasn't necessarily like a direct person to compete with, but it was more (laughs) about like okay, how do we help each other, right? It doesn't mean yeah. that people couldn't get frustrated with other people, but instead right. of then icing them out and then you know going above them, it was more of like, let's figure this out together because we weren't trying to go to you with some little dispute or you know misunderstanding. It just wasn't gonna yeah. be worth anybody's time. So let's talk a little bit about this beauty industry. I was really kind of surprised at how many men were making the decisions for- hmm products, especially in Femhi, um, that were positioned to women. So yeah. did you feel any sort of kind of like bias come trying to break into that really competitive field and knowing that a lot of the people that were in your positions were men for those other brands?
1: I probably didn't think about it, which might've just been naive, but probably, you know, ignorance is bliss in a way, yeah. but you're right. I mean, we definitely thought about it from the perspective of some of the old garden fem high and like, it makes no sense. Why are men running companies dealing with vulva products and pads right. and tampons, et cetera, makes no sense. So, but in skincare, especially derm skincare, I didn't really think about it. And um, you're right. You know, most of the big brands are run by, by men or were at least eight or nine years ago when we got started. I didn't really think about it.
0: And the buyers, the, a lot of the buyers, I would because you know I was in sales, so I would be you know finding these buyers stalking them basically, and then trying to get these meetings. And I was astounded at how many buyers for women's, you know products, right? Even just like mm-hmm. skincare cosmetics, if it's in the women's section of the store, it would be, you know, a female demographic. And it was men upon men upon men buying these products. And then in Femihai too, it was like, Oh my God, really? Like, and you're sitting across from these guys in these meetings and you're talking about these intimate things. And as women, it's easier to talk about, but I was really blown away at how many men are making the decisions on what we put on our skin and what we use on our bodies. Doesn't make logical sense. You
1: don't see that in my experience at Sephora or Ulta you right. know i think it's primarily female buyers and again not because of any other reason than they're buying for an audience that is primarily women it makes sense yeah. um it's not to say that there aren't male buyers there but it's not the same thing that we found at mass for sure at mass it was very curious um particularly yeah. at drug i found like it was just you're right it was like there were there were obviously women but there were a lot of men who didn't yeah. always have a passion for their particular category which i suppose at some on some level is good. Cause they're coming at it very objectively and sort of analytically, right. Like, you know, that, that guttural instinct and that emotional connection is ultimately super important too. And sometimes they just don't, yeah. don't bring it. Cause they don't engage with the product category firsthand.
0: So when you're developing line extensions or new products, is there something inside that is aligned with maybe like a vision that you had for the brand? How many times have you had something actually manifest that you had either written down or I don't know if you have a vision board or even just like a mental vision board. How many times has that happened where you had to actually like visualize something and believe that it was happening for before it actually manifested?
1: Well, you know, I think for me... So less in the product realm, although I do feel that I'm often divinely inspired. I know that's going to sound kooky to some people, but sometimes you know how it is. You just get this idea in the shower and you're like, where did that idea come from? Yeah, And then it turns out to be something new and innovative and interesting. Um, But I think often in terms of sort of, you know, for instance, our distribution at Sephora was something that, you know, I just had to kind of believe it. I just believed it. I saw the brand there. I visualized it, I manifested it. I just, I just knew it would happen. And I had no reason to believe it would happen. <laughs> it's a very tough thing to do, but you know, brought on the right people to facilitate it happening. But I just, you know, really believed it would happen. And I currently really truly believe that we will be a top five skincare brand at Sephora in fairly short order. Like I just, I yeah. believe it. There's no guarantee, but I just believe it.
0: That was always the hoop you were driving to. I mean, and in all meetings, it was like, how does this get us into Sephora? <laughs> and this was years yeah. ago. And it's, it's interesting because at vitamin water, it was, how does it get this to take, how does it get us to take over Gatorade? Right. So it was always, yeah. and at, at the time it was like, you know, the people who are working for Mike are like looking around we're like, he's high or something. Cause there's, we're never going to be bigger than Gatorade. Right. And then Or he'd say, it's going to be a billion dollar brand. And in every meeting, and you could tell he really believed it, even if nobody else in those large auditoriums was like really on board yet. And so it was really similar. That was a common thread that I always saw with you too. It was always like, how does this get us to Sephora? And even if there was a long gap to fill, to get there, every decision was made with that goal in mind right? Like, mm-hmm. does this get us closer? And so I yes. think that speaking that into reality is a huge piece of it as well. Would you agree? Totally.
1: I mean, the team and I, our, our triple lipid peptide cream is currently the number three moisturizer at Sephora and North America Omnichannel, which
0: wow. is huge. Congrats. And number yeah. one is
1: Drunk Elephant. Number two is Tatcha. And we just see it. I'm like, Proteiny, yeah. we're coming for you. Like, yeah. and I just think it's, you know, again, it's, it's competitive spirit, but in a, I guess in a productive way in the sense that we don't wish anyone else ill or harm and those are great brands and I love them. Right. But it's a goal. I just see our, you know, triple lipid peptide cream sort of deserving that position of number one. And, you know, it's just kind of, it's a goal to strive for and to drive towards and to have a product in the number one, to have a number one product in the number one category in skincare at Sephora, which is arguably probably the number one category overall right now would right. be just incredibly exciting. Like Ilya, I found out the other day, a Laguna based brand nice. with a Canadian founder. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She's right in your backyard. They have the number one foundation at Sephora and the number two
0: mascara. Oh my God, I have to go today and buy some.
1: (laughs) And Her brand is amazing. I have a bunch of it on my desk. That's Um, fantastic. Clean, clean makeup. But, you know, I had no idea and I found out and I was like, whoa, like, I don't know. It's good to have goals like that. It can be
0: done, (laughs) ladies. That's the thing. You know, when you do. Yeah. The thing that I always ask clients um, when I'll first ask, do you feel like you have an entrepreneurial spirit? And I think, you know, like if you do, you do, it's, it's usually a yes. Um, And even if you feel like maybe I should, then it's a yes. And um, then I asked them, you know, what's the likelihood that on your deathbed, if you didn't do this, you would have regret. And if it's any percentage, even if it's 10% that you would potentially regret this, then we have to do it to your point. Like you don't even have a choice. Your soul is not going to rest. It's not going to be at peace until you at least try. And mm-hmm. some of them look like, look at me, like I'm crazy. And I'm like, that's a Jeff Bezos quote. Like that is what drove mm-hmm. Bezos was if I'm going to regret not doing it. So even if it's a new product or, or writing a book or starting a podcast, I had major resistance for three years about starting a podcast it was like, do we really need another podcast? I don't think so. You know, and you, you start to question yourself until you have somebody like a book agent force you, uh, or a coach, and then you do a it. a hand and- on the back. Right. Right. So that's that thing. But yeah. spirit, and to your point, um astrology, and Amy gave me an amazing book, Journey of Souls. And I still have it, and it was a gift. It's if you can kind of get a higher context of what we're doing here and what we're here mm-hmm. to do in these yeah. you know meat suits kind of walking around, it can really help ease a lot of the fear because in the grand scheme of things, if you try something and you fail, it's probably just going to be a badge of honor at the end of your life. Right.
1: Totally. And there is like, it's that purpose. And sometimes we don't know what it is. You know, when I started SkinFix, fix, it was like, I guess it's the purpose to, you know, heal skin like to bring yeah. people clean products that are healthy for them that are also going to help heal skin concern and give them back quality of life and a sense right. of confidence and comfort. And I do still think that's very much part of the the path and the purpose. It's the intent. But I also am starting to really realize year nine doing this, that it's also about this group of women and how we're impacting one another and how we're sort mm-hmm. of mentoring one another. And it goes all directions. It's not just me mentoring other people. In fact, it's, I think, more so the other way around. And, you know, I do feel like my purpose here is a little bit to maybe nudge the patriarchy. I just, whether I want to do it or yes, not, like, course. I just think I am here to be bold and to sort of give the patriarchy a little elbow nudge to the side here. Like, mm. okay, it's time for women to, um, and that doesn't mean I'm going to be a, you know, a billionaire business person. It just means that maybe I have the the platform or, and, or the hoots, but to, to make change or to advocate for change and in that in my small way which is birthing all of these entrepreneurial women in was, Atlanta,
0: Canada and and beyond. Right. And it was always it was question everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we can't do this because of this. And you would always be like, well, why not? <laughs> there was yeah. just uh, just start questioning shit. And to your point, that is a lot I feel like tied with this whole patriarchy, right? It's like A lot of times the questions aren't even being asked like, well, why can't I and why can't we do things differently and why can't we get that space and why can't we, you know, be number one in Sephora? of course you can and of course you could be a billionaire businesswoman and of course you can do all of this stuff because there's enough for everybody and I think that attitude too, this other piece where it isn't us against somebody else it's not women against women or brands against brands. It's more about just focusing on yourself, right? And like being in your lane and being the best you can do. And I think the universe will set up the deck for you down the road. And all you have to do is just stay on your path and try not to like hear the environmental conditioning or the noise that could very yeah. easily like take you out at the knees.
1: And truly all boats rise. I like it's so cliche, but it's so true when women are successful And then they have their resources, financial and other time, you know, money to help other women. It truly does build like an ecosystem and a movement. And we just haven't had enough of it historically because we've been either afraid to, or, you know, to, to step into the business world in a meaningful way, but also we've been birthing and raising children and being the primary caregivers, in most cases, we still are. So all of that needs to shift in order for women to take their place and really spend the time to support one another. And
0: I totally agree. Words of wisdom from Amy (laughs) Bordinaire. And you absolutely have had a huge ripple effect. If, If anybody out there is kind of wondering like, oh, should I do something? Even if it's just ask for that promotion or ask for more money. I always ask women, when is the last time you ask for more money? And a lot of times they're not even asking for money, you know, for more money. We at least have to ask because once you start getting that, you will get more influence. You will get more power, and then you will be able to have a larger ripple effect on women. But I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you coming on the show. You're an incredible role model. Everybody um, check out SkinFix. And there's a podcast now, right? Amy, can you tell us a little bit more about where to find you and get more information?
1: Yeah, we have a podcast called Total Skin Nerds, where we interview derms about specific skin concerns. And we interviewed Deborah Young, our astrologer as well. She was on there too. So um, just for fun and a change of pace. But yeah, and, um, and buy it Sephora. Buy it Sephora. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they've got such great print items. I love again, like the eye cream was my favorite, but I'm going to go get that just say tri lipid to go pick some of that up today. Their the hand liquid. cream too. You guys, the holidays are coming. Um, hand repair cream is in every one of my drawers and every desk in the house. Um, I love it. It's fantastic. So please check it out. And thank you again, Amy, love and light to you. And thank you thank for you, all Elizabeth. that you've given all of the women in your company and beyond. Ditto.